So would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians 2. And we'll look at the first three verses today. To recap chapter 1 of Ephesians, the first 14 verses give to us the eternal plan of God for his own. Really what happened to you when you came to Christ, you, you came to Christ by the will and power of God, not by your own will nor by your own power. That's what we're taught. It's hard to grasp that truth. But it becomes more evident as we grow in Christ. The great beauty of the doctrine of election. So that's what we're told in the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1. Now because that truth is a deep thing. That seems to so often fly over our heads. In verses 15 through 23 the rest of chapter 1. Paul is praying that the people of God will understand that great truth. It's hard to understand. We cannot understand it unless the Holy Spirit teaches us and applies it to our lives. Now, chapter 2 teaches us in general... I suppose we could call it the process of salvation. I'm not sure that's a good way to say it. But teaches us about our salvation. And that begins with teaching us who we were, what we were, the way we were. Before we came to realize that we were in Christ. So I say this is probably a. One lesson, there are many lessons in the doctrine of sin, but this is one lesson. These three verses are one lesson in the doctrine of sin. I'm going to have to recognize and realize how bad off I was before by the teaching of Paul, the, the Holy Spirit through Paul in Ephesians, before I can realize how great things are for me. In Christ. So let's consider what we were, the way we were, before the call of God came into our lives and God drew us to Himself. So we're going to try to extract six thoughts from these three verses, and they're all here on this slide. I want to rely heavily on the original text because I hope and pray and believe that when we think about it in the words that Paul actually used, we will get a greater understanding of the horrible state that we are in when we are in sin and outside of Christ. So Paul says, and you, number one, being dead. 
a dead thing. We were dead because being dead in your trespasses and sins. A state of deadness. Spiritually dead. I hope you can see where Paul is coming from here. Because he taught us in the first 14 verses of, well especially in verses 3 through 14 of chapter 1. How we were, from before the foundation of the world, we were, we were chosen in Christ. And then Christ gave his blood and redeemed us. We find ourselves divinely adopted as sons with an eternal inheritance that is peculiarly and particularly ours. Then the Holy Spirit seals us to the day of redemption and is given to our lives as an earnest payment. Now, because we are in Christ and we have this wonderful life in Christ and we worship and we praise and we pray and we study the Bible and our faith grows and grows and grows and as we grow and mature in Christ the less this life means and the more that life means and so we grow spiritually in Christ and as we walk this path in Christ, the Lord Christ becomes ever so more dear to us. The intimacy deepens between who we are and who our Savior is and the relationship that we have with Him. And then the praiseworthiness of the Father. Because before anything ever was, He thought of me. And when I came into his thoughts, and before he even established the blueprint of the world, he placed me in Christ. That is such a profound thought that I cannot do anything except just worship him for who he is and not for who I am. So Paul here makes the point, it wasn't anything that you did regarding your spiritual life because you were dead. A dead person can't do anything except stink. As a matter of fact, there are levels of decay. I don't want to go on a, a dig and find out, but people who died a couple of days ago, three days ago, a week ago, the state of their decay is not like the Pharaoh in Egypt. This is something that befalls all of us physically, but there's an analogy here spiritually. It seems to me that there would be people in levels of spiritual decay. Some people seem really great, but they're just not in Christ. Well, they're still dead. Others may be in a deeper state of decay, but they're all still dead. We, before that time that God awakened us and caused us to be born again according to his plan and purpose. Before that time, everybody in the human race is dead in trespasses and sins. Now, describe this state. Here it is, trespasses. Parap, 
Thomasin, trespass. Para means beside. Thomasin means to, to, to fall. To fall beside. A misstep. The wrong way. To defect from the appropriate place or position. So, if you want to expand the word, it means that we have fallen by where we should be. Now, where have we fallen by? Romans teaches us, Paul's letter to the Romans. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. By the divine power of God, before the foundation of the world, my proper place is to be in the glory of God. To enjoy the glory of God and to glorify God for his glory. But until God calls me to himself and causes me to be born again, I'm a defector. I'm in a place where I'm not supposed to be. I am dead in that place. I can't wiggle out of that place. I can't crawl out of that place. I'm dead in that place. That place of trespasses. But there's another word in the doctrine of sin, and it is this word, sins. There's the word on the end of the first line. Hamartias. Ha. That's the alpha. That's the, that's the negation of the root. And the root, in this case, Martius. Hamartias means no share, not sharing. It, it then you develop the word to not share means that you're not having something that you ought to have. And being in the place, it's, it's further translated to miss the mark. Not having, thus missing the mark. Now you may, it doesn't matter, you, you miss it, you miss it. Some, you know, Christ once told a group of people, you're not far from the kingdom. Hey, you can miss it by an inch or you can miss it by a mile, but to miss it is to miss it. To miss the mark. To be without the share. And to miss the mark. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't correct it. You can't go back and create another path. You miss the mark. You're off of it. You cannot do anything about it yourself because you're dead in it. Absolutely dead. Not able to wiggle. Not able to adjust. You're dead. Spiritually dead. Nothing you can do. Being dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I left out a word on number three. According to. According to. Uh, and I want to take the word N, which is in. And the word according to, which is in number three, and it's the Greek word kata. Now those are prepositions. One is, one is positional and the other is relational. So keep that in mind, okay? Once you were positioned, 
and you were a zombie. You were a you were a, you were a dead person, and you were walking, but you were walking dead. You had no life within yourself. You were under the control of something else. That was positional. That's where you were. According to, forgive me when I translate it. I left out the little word to. According to, which is kata, kata. Now that's relational. Usually from higher to lower. So I was positional in my deadness. And I was relational to the age of this world. I related to the age of this world like all of the other zombies who aren't saved. I was positioned and relational. I, in other words, I was a victim of this age. This age of sin and horror. The age of depraved man. The age of the fallen human race. Who apart from the grace of God can do nothing. Because all of those who are not in Christ are dead in trespasses and sins. I was once there. I was, I was affixed. The word en, in which you want en, that word also means to be at rest. You were positioned, you were, you were positioned at rest. I didn't know anything else. According to the age of this world, the age, ton aona, the age. We live in an age designed by God. This age will come to an end. And the people of God within this present age, as it ends, then will be carried into the next age, the new age, the new heaven, the new earth. And if you study the text out, especially its original text, you'll see that there, it's always in the plural, which means that there are other ages we will defer once in the new heaven, that we will defer from one age to the next. So it's, it's not the purpose of this message to describe the ages. However, in this age, it is the age of fallenness. Why are things so bad? And why do they increasingly oppose the things of God and the people of God and the Word of God? Because we are in the age of this world, cosmos. We're in the age of the world. To cosmu. Cosmos, properly translated, means an orderly arrangement. So in this present age, there is a ruler, we'll talk about him in just a second. There is a ruler who orderly arranges... The horrible state of fallenness, and it influences everybody. It influences every level of the activity of man, all of it. And we once were there 
And the things that happened according to the age of this world didn't offend us so much. Because we were zombies, out of control, enslaved to sin, walking according to the age of this orderly arrangement of the state of affairs. People who are unsaved today are walking in that state. There are things that offend believers that just simply don't offend unbelievers. Because they are according to the age of this world. How so? Thought number four. According to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Let me break all this down. This is to help us understand where we were before God saved us by grace. Before God gave to us spiritual life. Before God caused us to be born again. This is where we were. According to the ruler. Now you see that word ruler. Archonta. Ton archonta. From arche which means the, the first one. The, 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 the principal one. The, the main one. So he is the ruler of the authority of the air. Now let's take the word authority, okay? Now this is good, at least it is to me. Tes exousias. Exousias. Of the authority. Exousias, authority. Let's break this word down. The word comes from exesti. Which is a word that comes from ek emi. Ek emi. It's a compound word. Ek means out of or out from. Listen to this. Emi means I am. The good news for us is the ruler can only go so far because he is only permitted. He didn't create this power for himself. By the design of God, and someday we'll understand it better by and by, he has been permitted and designated to be this ruler. But he has to work within the boundary of God. So God is teaching us a lesson. And we're being purified in this world. Because exosios he is not an authority except he comes out. His authority comes out from I am. Now we all know who I am is. So whenever I think of authority, this, 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 should, put a, uh, this should put a new light on everything for you. There are authorities and ranks and powers and all this stuff in the world. They exist in the spiritual world. They exist in the physical world. But notice this authority is, let me get my glasses on. Authority to Aros of the air. Of the air. Aros. It comes from air. And it literally speaks of it speaks of the lower altitude where man exists and is strengthened. In the Greek, there was a dividing line 
between the lower denser atmosphere and the upper thinner atmosphere. It was discovered many, many, many centuries ago that above a certain atmosphere, man ultimately couldn't exist. He had to be in that lower, denser atmosphere. The upper atmosphere was the ether. Now, the dividing line to the Greek mind was 6,000 feet above sea level because that was the tip of, that was the top of Mount Olympus. But there's a deeper meaning in the context of this. The air is where man exists. It is, it is the it is the place of the existence of man. Even if he goes to outer space, he has to have air. You understand that? So it's the place of the existence of man where he receives his energy. He loses his energy if he goes above that line where ether is. Air. So the ruler of the authority of the air, of course, is Satan. He rules. He is granted power. He doesn't have the power in and of himself. He can't have the authority to himself, by himself, of himself. It is granted to him by I am, by the great I am. So, the concepts of man, the thoughts of man, the activities of man... ...in this state of deadness are according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. That's their job. Dead men walking, zombies. They're enslaved to sin. They are fallen in their nature and they cannot help it. Spiritually, they are dead. But they are thus energized in their activity and their thoughts by the ruler of the authority of the air. The one to whom God has granted authority according to God's purpose and will. The spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Is there delusion in the world? Is there... Is there lying? Are there, is there murder on the hearts of people? Babies. Are babies being... I mean, murder. A prevailing thought. Disillusion and delusion. A prevailing thought. Lying. Stealing. According to Hosea, cursing. And swearing and violence. Do these things exist? They exist and we have to understand this. We would be right there with them but for the grace of God. As a matter of fact, that's where Ephesians 2 is headed. The great text on grace. This, all this stuff that just, it raises so many red flags in the lives of Christians, of believers and we feel less and less at home because of the energized activity of the sons of disobedience. That's where we would be. But for the grace of God. The whole point from Ephesians 1 to here is to show us 
What great treasure we have being in Christ. That the power of God put us there. Not our power. The power of God. That was fixed in the eternal mind of the Father. So he goes on to number five. Among whom we also all once lived in the desires of our flesh. Doing the things willed of the flesh and of its thoughts. Not being born again, not being regenerate by the power of God prior to regeneration, we lived in the desires of our flesh. The will that controlled us was the will of the flesh lorded over by the ruler of the authority of the air. That's where we were outside of Christ. Not just that, not just the things that we did, but the things that we thought. Doing the things willed of the flesh and of its thoughts. So, number six. This was our fallen nature and we couldn't help it. We were born into it. We were born into Adam. There was nothing we could do about that. Not a thing. By nature, we were children of wrath. Even as the rest. So before God exercised grace... And divinely gave us spiritual life, caused us to be born again in the spirit of spiritual deadness. It was our nature to be the children of, of wrath. This is, this is who we were. It was our nature. If you're here today without Christ, it is your nature to be rebellious, to be disobedient. It is your, until God does something, you can't do anything about it. Oh, I'll be saved in the by and by. You'll be saved when God calls you to be saved or you won't be saved at all. Because you're only saved by the power of God. That's what makes the day of coming to Christ so special. It's not, not, it's not just another thing that happened along the way. It is, it is a fulfillment of a promise that we weren't even there to hear. That God swore to himself that in the course of time, according to his plan and purpose, as he saw fit, according to his pleasure, he would call us out of darkness and into light. Before then, we were nothing but by our nature... Children of wrath, just like the rest of the world. Now, thank God, God's not through calling people to himself. We preach the gospel. We plead for people to be saved. Are you here without Christ? Oh, listen, I think we're coming to the end of days. Come to Christ. What can I say? I can only give to you the gospel as it comes from the precious holy word of God. That's all I can do. I can't do anything else. But what will save you is not my word. 
But the power of God, that's what will save you. Remember, the rich man pleaded with Abraham. My brothers are bound for this hell that I'm in right now. Send Lazarus back from the grave and let him tell them. And the response from, the Lord, from Abraham was this. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the Bible. They have the Bible. Nothing, not even if Lazarus went back from out of the grave and spoke to them, not even that could save them if they don't believe the Bible. All I can do is expose you to the Bible, teach you the Bible, preach the Bible. And hopefully in some way, God by his power will move you from death to life, from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, from wrath to glory. That's all I can do. God does the rest. And this is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. Paul is reminding them, your great salvation is something that I'm praying that you'll understand. That's what Paul has been saying. Such a profound thing that you'll begin to understand because this is where you were. This is sin. This is all that a person in sin can say about himself until by the grace of God he is moved upon. Now you get to that part a little bit just a few verses here in the same context. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God lest anybody should boast. And you're saved into or unto into good works. We're headed there. I cheated a little bit. Told you. Saved by grace. That's the only way you're saved. It's the only way anybody is ever saved. And so our purpose is to gather and exalt the glory of God and extol the Savior and to proclaim to the world who we were and who we are. Who we were in nature and wrath and who we are in Christ. And what delivered us from there to here is the grace of God. Designed by him before the foundation of the world. That's what we were before we came to Christ. If you're here without Christ, you'll know it. If you're being convicted and called, you'll know it. Listen, the call of God is unmistakable and I would add irresistible. But you have people here to pray with you and to rejoice with you if you come to Christ today. We're going to have deacons and deacon wives in 
rooms right here as you exit. There are two rooms. To settle that matter of coming to Christ, to understanding what it means to be in Christ, let them pray with you and speak with you. Having come to Christ, to let you know the importance of obedience to Christ, who has commanded that we be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've believed, you should follow the Lord in baptism. They'll speak with you about that. We'll take care of the arrangements if you want us to. And every Christian needs a church home. And maybe God has revealed to you that Shiloh needs to be your church home. I don't mind telling you, we are, we are simply built on the foundation of the Word of God. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And we're unashamed of the gospel. Even of the things that are sometimes so difficult to understand, we're not ashamed of them. We trust God to reveal things to us by His Word. If you would want a place to serve God, here's Shiloh, all right? Well, that's the invitation. So if you have any of those needs, you, you meet with our deacons and their wives. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God in heaven, Lord, we are only collapsed in your sovereign presence. We have nothing to say except amen and amen and hallelujah. That's all we have to say. Within our nature, in a human sense, there's something we feel like we need to do. But there again, we've discovered that you've done it all. And again, we're only collapsed into your presence, which is sovereign. And there to say amen and amen and hallelujah. Lord, we, we're thankful for the privilege and the opportunity to come together. Frankly, I don't know how much longer we'll have the freedom to openly and publicly preach the gospel. So we pray your blessings upon this church and upon all Bible-believing churches to trust in your power and to be unafraid and fearless for the cause of Christ, for the sake of his kingdom. Thank you for all who have come today, Lord. And as we leave this place, shower us with your blessings and your love and your grace and bestow upon us your mercy as you already have. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today.